0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.
1: In light of current circumstances, Inglis has reconfigured the schedule of auctions for the remainder of 2020. Easter round two is now programmed for Sunday, July the 5th and will be a live auction subject to conditions being deemed suitable by Inglis. This sale will cater for horses that have deferred from Easter round one, or lots that were passed in through round one. The English Melbourne gull sale has been rescheduled to run as a live auction on July the 12th and 13th at Oakland's circumstances permitting. The catalog for this sale has been filled, but supplementary entries will be accepted. The English Chairman's sale will proceed as a digital auction on May the 8th, while the Inglis broodmare and weanling sale will be split. Broodmares by digital auction on May the 10th, weanlings hopefully a live auction on July the 8th at Riverside. Inglis scone yearling sale, a live auction on July 26th, the Inglis great southern sale, a live auction on July 14 to 15, and the Inglis ready to run will proceed as scheduled on October the 28th at Riverside. English, doing their best in difficult times. Welcome back. This is Segment 2 with Sydney trainer Gary Portelli. Gary's single bullet was a bit of fun for his owners. He won a Group 3 Pago Pago early on. He won a couple at Roundwick and I think he won a race in Brisbane one day too at Eagle Farm.
0: Yeah, he's been really handy and he's still in the the works Um Group of friends, you know, basically bought into him. I paid 150000 for it at the Magic Man's June sale. Mm-hmm. He was passed in at uh, through G- George L. Monti's Corambein stud at the the main sale. He was a bit immature. I remember I had him on my, my list of horses to buy, but I didn't have a client at the hundred and fifty. That was his reserve, and he passed him in. Mm-hmm. Put him back through the sale, and uh, at that stage, he started to hit a bit of form. I had uh, a couple of nice horses going like Rebel Dane and Test the Shadow and whatever you, and, um, when you've got a bit of momentum behind you, you can, you can buy horses and you can sell them. Mm. And, uh, this fellow, I bought him 150,000 without a client. Mm. I rang a few friends and what have you, and they all bought in and, um, he was really, really handy. He looked like being, um, you know, pretty good two year old, which he was, mm. went around the slipper, didn't handle the wet that day, didn't like it wet, but lucky enough I had another one in the race. And, uh. Yeah, he um he's been racing consistently year after year, and he picks up, you know, probably hundred and hundred and fifty thousand every preparation. He's one to like, I think half a million dollars now, mm-hmm. and um I think I think that's the end of it for him. He's, he's one of them sort of, um sort of uh, what you say Trojan horses. He just he'll he'll race on until he's ten year old. You know, he just loves mm. racing.
1: Sound as a bell.
0: Sound as a bell. Yep. Uh, Although we had just this preparation has been one we've given a decent spell. His feet were starting to show the signs of Mm. needing time after having shoes in them for so uh, nails in his feet for so long. Mm. Just get a bit brittle, so we had to sort of um, give a bit of time to get some new new growth down. But he's had a good spell now, and uh, he's due back into work soon.
1: You mentioned Tester Shadow, who's one of your all-time favourites. Eight wins, nineteen placings, one point five million. And a lot of that money came from the Magic Millions Cup of 2017. He's an eight-year-old now, Gary, and still going, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is, yep. And um, he's an Elite Thoroughbreds syndication. And they came on board, so I think it was probably their second year they bought him. Well, Adrian Allen from Elite Thoroughbreds paid forty or 50000 for him off memory. Mm. The other one Vin had a bit to do with, he actually rang me. He said, make sure you get a look at this horse has been passed in. He's quite a nice horse. And, um, yeah, we... Um, we got him for fifty. Put us, Adrian, put a syndicate together, and um, he's never looked back. He's just been fantastic horse to them.
1: Now to the filly that gave you your day of days, the filly who erased the memory of those long nights at the Orange Bakery, all those years ago. Scott Darby, respected founder and managing director of Derby Racing, gave you a Manhattan Rain filly he'd purchased in two thousand and sixteen. $20,000 had you trained for Derby Racing previously
0: I tr- I, it was my first year of training for them I'd actually sent a few emails out to, I, I, I was doing a bit tough for a while there Tappy you know well, was there wasn't mm-hmm. any new horses coming through the system um, you know you see a lot of these trainers that have had a bit of success and all of a sudden they just squeezed out the games. there's new guys coming through etc and I felt that was happening, so we sent out. Uh, my wife Kelly actually put it together. She put an email together and sent it out to everyone she could, saying that we were, weren't tied down to just one syndicator. We we're, you know, obviously taking horses from whoever, which was, was was happy to give us horses, and basically gave them a rundown of how we operate. Mm. Uh, client first, information is so important. Um, all the videos and just keeping the client up to date with what we're doing with a horse, and treating people the way we'd like to be treated ourselves. We owned a horse, and that went out to everyone, including Scott Darby. Scott uh, pulled me aside one day at the sale and said, what well, I'd be happy to take a couple of horses." And that was at the classic sale. And then the sale went by, and I didn't get one. And I thought, "Oh, that's disappointing." But at least we've had mm. that conversation. Yeah. Anyway, um, he, uh, I made a phone call to said to him, and I said to him, I was going to, to the Adelaide uh, Magic Millions, and would you really like me to look at anything down there? And as it was, there was a couple of horses there that were related to horses he'd had success with. Uh, we got them quite cheaply. He syndicated them, and then he got to see the way we operate, and um, he got to see the, the the owners love the way we we keep them up to date. And um, as it turned out, was unlucky for. Um, for Michael Costa at the time, and this is where sliding doors work in mm. mysterious ways. Michael Costa actually had a little Manhattan Rain filly in work across the road from my stables, and he'd made a decision for his business. He needed to go to Queensland, and, and um, so he was moving out like a couple of weeks um, before she was ready to barry trial. He'd done a lot of the work on her and educated her. And, Anyway, Scott said, "Look, he, I'll be not with this. Want this filly that's across the road to go to Queensland? With all Sydney owners, could you? Would you take her?" And um, of course, I would. You know, and I remember she walked in. I saw her over the, the box door, and um, quite a well put together filly. Very strong top line, massive hind quarter. That was one thing I could remember, mm. and really healthy filly. She was in good order.
1: What but a brilliant up. precocious natural two-year-old she was. First the first start, yeah, won a maiden two year old at Kembler with Diane Panyer on board by eight point three length.
0: Yep, yep. She was um she was special. I remember the first time I got up there, I took a photo of the, the time on the watch and I sent it through to Scotty and I said either oh, this is gonna to be too fast or you know, this is either an eight hundred metre horse or we've got a slipper horse here. Mm. And um, you know, you, you think you've got – you're too scared to think it, you know. You, you get a horse that's doing these things that you've never had a horse do before in, in track work times. I remember she trialled well at um, Rose Hill. She won the trial by nine and ran the fastest time ever recorded, I think, and then she bolted in at uh, – Kembler. At uh, Kembler. Then um, she, she won, won the s-
1: English Nursery at Roundwick by four lengths with Ben Mellum in the saddle. Yep. She won the Silver Slipper. She ran second in the Riesling and then came the Golden Slipper – on a heavy 10 and you and Ben Mellum were not on the same page regarding riding tactics.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, before the race, we'd, we'd uh, I had a little bit of insights or work, doing a bit of work with um, Dominic Byrne at the time and Dominic rang me just before the saddles came out and he said, look, the, the way these races are run today, you need to get to the fence. You've drawn barrier 13 mm. and he said, you're going to, have to get across most of these horses. He said that it was you know I was on the same page that basically if we go back from that barrier there's too many horses in front of you to get past mm. you're gonna have to go forward get across with Hudson try to get to the rails or close enough to the rails doing it that way and um, as I said I had two in the race I had a single ball in the race and he drawn well tie angle was on him and he knew what to do mm. um, and I said I went to to, uh, to Benny and I said look mate, we need to get across these horses we need to get we need to get digger up get across and he's looked at I me. Mean, I knew he wasn't sort of happy with what we were talking no. how we were going with it you know mm. i said okay what do you think he said i think i'm gonna go back mate and i said well, i don't know if you can get past everyone you go back though mate you know it's, it's going to be tough to make up ground yeah. and he and he said looks the only way i can see it he said i've watched all the slippers on heavy tracks the winners always are always on the, the rails during the run they'll come out in the straight and let a rip he
1: does his homework, then Ben Mellon.
0: He did, he did, and that's why he's a Group One jockey. You know, top um, top class Group One jockey. And uh, you know, um, we're, we're, the only thing we had was sort of on the same page was that um, we had to find the fence at some point. And um, mm. but I said, look, mate, this is this is our slipper to lose, mate. Make sure you don't, you know, stuff this up. <laughs> <laughs> so on, I like a legged him on, and out he goes. And of course, mm. um, the plan was if she jumped well, he was going to. Push the button and get across. If you didn't jump well, he was going back. Well, of course, he just grabbed old out of the gates. He was never going to jump well. No. He went straight across the back of him, got to the rails. Um, of course, it was a heavy track. No one went near the fence. So he just kept getting runs up the inside. No one blocked him. Mm. And uh, he straightened up, put the foot down, and uh, the rest is history. And I remember I stood in the. I feel like I'm bragging, and I'm not one of them trains that says oh, I'd said it was a certainty, but I stood in the winner's stall. I want to stand in the winner's stall. <laughs> I don't know why. I just. Just everything from the time I woke up in that morning, mm. there was just things lining up. I woke up, I, put me, I swung my legs out of the bed, and I thought, what day is it a day? You know, you always do that mm. very clearly in the morning. Oh, it's a golden slipper day. Okay, mm. I've got to go and win this race now. So off I went to work. Mm. Everything was just lining up during the race. You could just see him getting runs up along the inside. I just couldn't believe he was getting all the luck in the world. He straightened up, put the foot down. Away she goes. And I remember... We had 120 people in the birdcage that were just part of my syndicates between mm. the two horses I had. They'd, the ATC had given us an area in the birdcage for all of our clients. And uh, mm. and I stood there and I just watched it and I thought to myself, I'm going to do my lifelong, I'm going to f- fulfill my lifelong dream here. Do not lose it. Do not go crazy. Watch every stride she puts in because this is something you may not ever do again. It's mm. such a, a such a hard race to win. So I watched the whole race. I didn't move. She went past the post, and then everything just started. To, the sound started coming. I looked around. There's people going absolutely ballistic. You've never <laughs> seen so, scenes like it in the, in, the in, a, in a in a ATC or AJC. Anything extraordinary
1: um, scenes? weren't Was crazy. It was, crazy. The race, it was yeah.
0: crazy. There was people salivated. They were out of control. I had people come at me from all directions. Uh, press um, cameras. It was just, yeah, it went from slow motion to loud and out of control in about two seconds. And, um, you know, uh, it was a great thrill.
1: There were a couple of great stories from that syndicate. One of the owners got 100 to 1 about she will rain in the early slipper markets and he kept backing her all the way through, win after win. And you tell me that after the slipper, he was four hundred thousand dollars in front.
0: That's right. Yep, he um, he actually backed her to win four hundred thousand just for the slipper uh-huh. during the whole time. Every bet he had was for the slipper. Mm. He got hundreds, fifties, and it just kept coming in. And on the, I think after she won, I think the silver slipper, she was you know six to four favourite for the slipper for ages, and she got beaten the Riesling, and and I think. People lost a little bit of confidence in her and she got out to 10 to 1 on the days. And he kept betting up on the day. And um, yeah, he uh, 400000 That's a lot of money to win uh, tax free.
1: <coughs> Another owner bought himself a decent fishing boat out of it and he called the boat She Will Rain.
0: That's right. Marty, big Marty. Yeah, yeah. he bought himself a boat She Will Rain. And unfortunately, about the first couple of months he, uh, he bought it, he took her out fishing one day. And lucky enough, he told the Coast Guard he was going out because. Uh, they found him about eight hours later on the beach, no boat, to the bottom of the ocean. Mm. Freak wave hit him, and um, so he's had to buy a new shoe or rain too, I think he called it. Did he? <laughs> and Marty's
1: still going strong.
0: <laughs> he's still going strong and still sends me some fish every now and then, so that's good.
1: Six months after the golden slipper, she came back as a three year old in the Moyer Stakes at Mooney Valley over the 1,000 metres. Now, Gary, slipper or no slipper, this was arguably her finest moment. She raced older horses, she came from last, and she was electric on the night.
0: Yeah, look, um, that was that was an amazing uh, win, that. Um, she's the first, I think she's the only horse to ever win a golden slipper and win a group one of the next start because most of the time they race off into the 3 old season and take on the... the um, uh, the three-year-olds were group two level and three level and built to a group one again. So, mm. But because we'd been offered, a, a, we'd got a slot in the, the Everest, I had to plot a path that had her spot on for the Everest. So I had a really wound up two trials, thousand-meter race at the valley. That was a perfect race, I thought, fortnight into the, the Everest. And um, so she was rock hard ready to go. And um, I remember they went like absolute um, rockets early into the first corner and she was off the bit um Kira McAvoy at her and just trying to get her to, to travel mm. and then um, I remember the race caller saying she already enough to be special to win from here mm. and um, she lifted and on the line I didn't know whether she'd won or ran second the owners of the, the second horse thought they'd won and they, everyone was cheering and, and then the number came up we'd won by uh, a whisker mm. and uh, yeah just amazing how she settled and she really settled down to catch them horses in front of her and um and, uh, you know, to, to go that next level, which not many two-year-olds do, to take on the best three-year-old sprinters or older sprinters, to beat them at the next start was a phenomenal night. and um, You know, it was just uh, one of them things where you just thought, hello, have I got a black caviar now? You know, it's just uh, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy stuff.
1: She beat only one home in the Everest, but she was only 4.5 lengths from the winner. So it was no result but a massive thrill to be there.
0: Yeah, it was. It was um, the lead-up to it. She was favourite all the way through and a lot of pressure. Um, the track was really, really choppy. And I remember she came back after the race and she coughed for half an hour solid. I thought she might have bled, actually, the way she reacted. And But uh, we scoped her. There was no blood. It was just basically she'd either swallowed a clod or something. She just she just couldn't stop coughing. So, so, so bad that they couldn't actually swab her after the race for at least 45 minutes because she was just in such a bad way um she just couldn't get whatever it was cleared out of the throat so you know we went away thinking well okay what have we got you know what's happened and um you know unfortunately for us she got a big offer to japan and um the northern stud border and she's uh, just had a foal. So, right, well, we so, so she never raced we
1: again in Japan, she was strictly as nah, a broodmare, was she? that's right so
0: mm. we didn't get to see much of her after she'd um, she'd had a three-year-old, well she didn't get a four-year-old season at all so mm. um, but that's what happens when uh, big money's around
1: Just pause for a moment Gary to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back in a moment to talk about uh, some of those great horses who've been so good to the stable over the years. The Hawkesbury Race Club's autumn standalone meeting will now be staged at Rosehill Gardens on Anzac Day with three Group 3 features. Main attractions will be the Hawkesbury Guineas, the Hawkesbury Gold Cup, the Hawkesbury Crown for the Phillies and Mares, and the listed Hawkesbury Gold Rush for the Open Sprinters. With wagering severely impacted by the current lockdowns of pubs, clubs, and TAB retail agencies, Prize money on those feature races is down by 20%, but there's little doubt quality fields will still line up. The crowds will be missing, and so will the spectacular mountain views that only Hawkesbury can offer. But the racing will be first class. The Hawkesbury Cup, the Guineas, the Crown, and the Gold Rush are now at Rose Hill Gardens on Anzac Day. All of the action Will be on Sky One, Sky Thoroughbred Central, and Sky Sports Radio. There are several more we should talk about horses like Tester Shadow, uh, Sumpanini Pin, who won a Hawkesbury Cup, uh, old Marwin Gold. Just remembered we've already talked about Tester Shadow. So let's get on to Marwin Gold. What about this old freak? He won 20 races, 12 on city tracks with 18 placings. For six hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. Now, Gary, when he won his twentieth race, he was eleven years old. You thought it was time to call it quits.
0: Yeah, look at that stage. We had the the Melbourne stable going strongly, and Troy had him for probably his last, probably six wins, I'd say, um, six or seven wins in Melbourne. And every year he'd win, you know, he'd win a decent Saturday race. And uh, as I said, he was sound as a bell the day he retired. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, he won his, he wanted his, he, that day, uh, it was his 20th win and, uh, Troy rang me and said, I think that's enough for him, don't you? And I said, mate, I'm, I'm happy if you, are just let him, let him retire gracefully. And, um, we did that it was, it was, he, he was fantastic. Every year he, he just won another race. He won up, at, I think he won an 80 to one one day at Caulfield one day, you know, <laughs> he he? Were all on him. he was just, just one of the horses. He won a June stakes at three. Um, you know he was a, he was a great horse to us, and uh, you know it was lucky enough that you know till the the, the good stories you hear sometimes that we'd given him away to to a good home, and they'd given him away to another home, and then um, we, eventually we we uh, we found him again, and um, we found that uh, he one of his strap strappers that uh, was strapping him in Sydney. Greta, yep. uh, we're trying to find a home for him, and she's taking him on. And she's teaching. Uh, her kids and everyone to ride on him he's 22 year old now he's got a fantastic home so
1: isn't that beautiful yeah,
0: yeah. it's a, it's a good story you know it's good to be able to these horses not so even if they've been any good here just it's good to find these horses have been good horses and just you know they've got a home you know and and that's you know um a lot of people don't understand that these horses are well looked after even after they've retired we you know we do our best to find them the best homes we can and um and it's good to see now we're getting a lot of the good stories published about the horses after they have been retired because I think a lot of the focus has been on, on the bad stories. But you mm. know, um, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of horses after they finish racing end up in a good home.
1: Your wife of eleven years, Kelly, comes from a racing
0: background. Yeah, look, she's been involved in racing all of her life. Um, road rode work for Gay Waterhouse, et cetera, and um, she's a West Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, met her during the carnival once one time there and she was only young. She's fourteen years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd get someone young enough to push me around a wheelchair when I'm older, it'd be good. <laughs> so she's nearly there now. Um she's uh you know, she's been an instrumental in a lot of the success over the last few years in particular. Um she's mm-hmm. the driving force behind things when you know, it's quite easy to get depressed in racing. You know, um, it can get you down. You, you well, you mentioned
1: that earlier, didn't you? You said you yeah. dropped the bundle for a while there. You lost that's confidence. Right. You lost interest. And Kelly gave you a swift kick in the bum.
0: That's right. You know, it's, it's hard to wake up in the morning and see clients you've had a lot of success with then moving their horses or going into syndicates with different trainers and they're not interested in anymore. And that's what I said is I've seen trainers that have been here, great trainers, squeezed out the game. And I thought I was possibly going to be one of them trainers and was looking for something else. What else could I make good at? i'm Probably not much good at anything else, but anyway, making pies probably, and probably eating them now, but <laughs> yeah. um, she, she said to me, look, you don't lose your ability. You just need to work out what you need, you need to do to, to, to reinvent yourself and pushed me hard and I got back into it, started thinking, started doing things differently, you know, and um, um, the correspondence to owners was always second to none as far as I was concerned. So it wasn't that the problem, but it was just a matter of being a horseman, getting back out with the horses, Mm. spending more time with the horses themselves. You know, Rebel Dane was a perfect example. He was going to Gowans, you know, he was going around at 50 to 1 in some races and we started doing different things with him, taking him down to the beach, putting him over some logs, jumping him, just doing things that were just getting him back into into, um, his mind back into it and was working for me as well and Mm. You know, he won the Manicado in, in November. Uh, we come out and won the Magic Man's Cup in, in January with Tester Shadow. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of two year olds. I think that year I had, I think we had 12 two year olds on the books and eight or nine of them won at two, mm. um, including Sure Rain and, and Single Bullet. And they were our the two that got in the slipper that year, won the slipper. It was just, a, it was a six and a half million dollar year for me.
1: You and Kelly are the parents of an eight year old boy called Harper. Does he show a natural liking for horses?
0: Unfortunately, at the moment, he's, he's like most kids, more into his computers and computer games and things like that. But it's, it's, it drives me mad because he's an absolute natural around animals. Mm. I remember we started giving him some riding lessons and his first lesson, he was rise trotting, riding one-handed and talking to the riding instructor. First lesson. Like he'd been riding all his life. and, mm. and But, you know, if, I don't like to force him to do anything. If he wants to get into the racing, he can. Um... You know, and at uh, this stage, it's um, more just um, what racing can do for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: you never know. He's eight years old, mate. He might be yeah, a stable that's... foreman in 10 years.
0: Who knows, you know, but I won't push him into anything that he doesn't want to do, and, you know, he'll find his way like, he, like everyone else does.
1: Well, racing's been pretty good to you, mate, as you said, and you've put plenty back into racing because you've been a great friend to the media. Very accessible, very informative and very honest, and you've gone out of your way to help me. I don't know how many times, and you're helping me again right now uh, on our podcast. So, on behalf of all of my media colleagues, Gary, uh, thank you so much for your uh, your help and your assistance.
0: Uh, mate, I, I think the the media is the most important, one of the most important things in racing. You know, you got to get uh, so much information and good stories out to people, and and I've got to thank you, Tappy. I think. Um, you know all them years that we we've spoken you gave me some great insights into the different things. I remember you took me up to the grants right up to your your uh, calling spot up there at Ranwick one day it took us about four hours to get to the top. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it was a, an interesting trip to your to your uh, your spot there and uh, I got to watch you uh, call a race and uh, yeah just mate, you're an icon in the sport and uh, just to be uh, invited on your show is a, an absolute uh, Thanks. Uh, honor so.
1: Thank you, Gary. The pleasure has been all mine, mate. It's been a great journey for you, and you've given us one of racing's most human stories. Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thanks very much, Tabby.
1: And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Ingress.